Good morning, saints of our Lord, and welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm your host, Brady Finneran, pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for tuning us in this morning on Worldwide KFUO, Christ for you anytime, anywhere. A blessed Pentecost season to all of you this Tuesday, June the 7th, as the light of Christ shines on us from the end of Genesis chapter 11. We just got done with what we commonly know as the Tower of Babel. People were were thrown basically across the earth with different languages. How does that all fit? We're not sure, but we do know that the main focus of the Lord is to keep his people with him. And so we pray this morning as we hear the word of God after that moment where we see the descendants of Shem. What does that mean? We often see a lineage or a uh, genealogy as this simple information. You need to put Grandma Schmidt in there. You need to have old Johann from the 1800s. He needs to be on the list. But we forget so commonly that these are real people, people of faith that the Lord worked through. And may that be true for our lives as well as we look at our family history. For today, we look at the descendants of Shem and see the Lord at work. So open up your Bibles, put on your Christ goggles for the gifts are ready, ready for you. Thank you to our friends at Lutheran Heritage Foundation for your support of Thy Strong Word. Visit lhfmissions.org for more information, lhfmissions.org. Helping us to be strengthened by God's word this morning, we welcome Pastor Joshua Kanippa of Holy Cross Lutheran Church in Nederland, Texas. Pastor Kanippa, happy Pentecost and welcome back to Thy Strong Word. Hello, Pastor Fennern. Good to be back. Uh, always glad when I can be on Worldwide KFUO sharing uh, with the saints of God. Uh, we got a cool uh, topic here today, so I'm excited for us to uh, dig in and, and see what uh, the Lord has for us to talk about today. I love it. And Pastor, tell us what's going on for you you and the saints at Holy Cross. I tell you what, we're wrapping up, uh, just recently wrapped up the school year and all that kind of stuff. But as uh, you know, Pastor Finnern, and as our listeners know, uh, when it comes to the life of uh, Christ's church in each of our different places, that the, this big wheel, it just keeps on running, man. We got uh, Vacation Bible School here in a couple of weeks, uh, shortly following that. We'll be taking our high school kids uh, down to Houston for the National Youth Gathering. Yeah. That's right. And, yeah, I'll uh, be there too, man. We'll have to get together. It'll be sweet. <laughs> uh, and then, uh, you know, then we get into preparing for the fall and uh, getting ready for uh, all of those uh, cool events and, and programs and uh, Bible studies and, and everything that comes along with that. So uh, it's it's always an exciting time. You know, we get over the hump of Easter and oftentimes over the hump of uh, confirmation and the end of school. And, and then we, we look forward and it's, uh, it's a neat time. And this is where it's a good reminder that if you look at a church, for example, here in central Minnesota, a church down in Texas, go to the East Coast, West Coast, across, across the nation. The big difference, that, the only big difference I see from Nederland, Texas to Messiah and Sartell is you don't have to worry about the snow. I mean, that's really the only difference as I'm hearing you speak. Am, am, I, am I right? Or maybe you get snow. I don't know. Do you get snow? No, we don't get snow. We had uh, actually recently, we had a pretty good uh, uh, rain and wind uh, storm here. It actually blew down my banner for Vacation Bible School. So I'm a little oh, no. upset about that. I got to get it fixed, but we'll get it fixed. We'll get some kids in here. It'll be, it'll be good times. Awesome. Awesome. Well, as we know that the Word of God is what is our foundation, the, the living and active Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword, that's what we're about 
in our churches and for us today. So, Pastor, can you begin our time in prayer and ask his blessings? I'd love to. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you, Lord, for the great blessing that uh, KFUO is to us and to your saints here. Uh, I ask now, Lord, that you would be with uh, myself and Pastor Finneran as we uh, look at this uh, book of Genesis and chapter 11 here. Uh, I pray, Lord, that you would be with our hearers and listeners as well. Uh, Lord, may our time together uh, draw us closer to you. In Jesus' good name, amen. Amen. Reminder to listeners, if you have any questions concerning our text, send us an email, kfuo at kfuo.org, kfuo at kfuo.org. Pastor, I'm going to read all of our verses here today, and then we're going to kind of do a little bit of, okay, let's go to the main parts, because um, one, I don't want to say the names twice. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say that up front. Um, and forgive me now, I've been practicing, I've been looking, but I could get them wrong. Especially, here's the deal. I found this out, Pastor. You know, you got that great Texan accent, and I got this whatever it is in Minnesota, that no matter how I say it, it's just going to come out Minnesotan. So today, you'll be hearing the Old Testament Minnesota style, as it always is. Well, so, and if well, once could, again, Pastor Finner, before you get too far into it, I, I will give away a, a sacred preacher trick uh, to our hearers, and that is that... Uh, even have, some of the times, the harder names, we don't even know for sure how to say them or how they're supposed to be pronounced. Whatever you do, when your pastor asks you to read that in church or in Bible class or whatever, read it, be bold and be confident, and nobody will ask any questions. That's right. I'm into that. So that I'm going to take that to heart today. So, But we know that this is the inspired Word of God, and we know that it will point us to Christ. So let us hear the Word of God, Genesis chapter 11, uh, verses 10, all the way till the end of chapter 11. We hear, These are the generations of Shem. When Shem was 100 years old, he fathered Arpachshad two years after the flood. And Shem lived after he fathered Arpachshad 500 years and had other sons and daughters. When Arpachshad had lived 35 years, he fathered Shelah. And Arpachshad lived after he fathered Shelah 403 years and had other sons and daughters. And Shelah had lived 30 years, he fathered Eber. And Shelah lived after he fathered Eber 403 years and had other sons and daughters. When Eber had lived 34 years, he fathered Peleg. And Eber lived and he fathered Peleg 430 years and had other sons and daughters. When Peleg had lived 30 years, he fathered Ru. And Peleg lived after he fathered Ru 209 years and he had other sons and daughters. And Reu, excuse me, had lived 32 years, he fathered Serug. And Reu lived and fathered Serug 207 years and had other sons and daughters. When Serug had lived 30 years, he fathered Nahor. And Serug lived and he fathered Nahor 200 years and had other sons and daughters. And when Nahor had lived 29 years, he fathered Terah. And Nahor lived after he fathered Terah 119 years and had other sons and daughters. When Terah had lived 70 years, he fathered Abram, Nahor, and Haran. Now these are the generations of Terah. Terah fathered Abram, Nahor, and Haran. And Haran fathered Lot. Haran died in the presence of his father Terah in the land of his kindred, in Ur of the Chaldeans. When Abram and Nahor took wives, the name of Abram's wife was Sarai, and the name of Nahor's wife, Milcah, and the daughter of Haran, the father of Milcah and Ishka. Now Sarai was barren, and she had no child. 
Terah once took Abram his son and Lot and son of Haran, his grandson and Sarai, his daughter-in-law and sons Abram, Abram's wife. And they took forth together from Ur of the Chaldeans to go into land of Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. The days of Terah, Terah were 205 years and Terah died in Haran. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Yeah, there it is. There. We made That's it, Pastor. Better. Good job there. Good job. <laughs> we made it. <laughs> so I do encourage our listeners before we ask a little context to this that if you have a Lutheran study Bible, great gift to the church. On page thirty-three, you get a feel for where Abram was from, where went to Haran, where that was in relation to the land of Canaan. This is on page thirty-three of the Lutheran Study Bible, which is on the next page from our reading this morning. And this gives us a lot of great background as we dig into Genesis 12 and beyond. But Pastor, before we get to that, we hear about all these descendants. Can you give us a little bit of a background or context of, okay, what, what happened before this point? Yeah, so we get these different places, especially in the Old Testament, where we get these genealogies, and it shows us these different people. And uh, I love the way that you introduced that, Pastor Fennern, at the beginning of just let's remember that every one of these people, this is a uh, a person who was known, who was had lived a real life, had family members, had children, had grandchildren, had all of these uh, sorts of people involved. We're reminded, Pastor Fennern, of stuff like this uh, when, you know, I recently did a couple of funerals uh, here at Holy Cross, and uh, you get to, you not only know that, but you get to visually see that, especially with when you have a funeral for an older person, is that you see the adult children, and then you see the grandkids, sometimes adult grandkids, and sometimes great-grandkids, but you see these generations play out. And it's one of the themes of Genesis is the idea of generations uh, and the idea of, uh, you know, what does it mean for, to have a patriarch? What does it mean to have a matriarch? And so we often refer shorthand to many of the guys in Genesis as the patriarchs. And that's the kind of thing that we're talking about. And we see that in our churches today, you know, that, that older guy in the church who's, who's been around for a while and he know he has a good handle on the history of the church and things that are happening. And he's always been just a, a faithful um, uh, lover of Jesus and leads his family in righteousness in those ways. And it's just a, it's a really neat thing to think about as we look back upon this. I would say too, this genealogy that shows up in Genesis chapter 11, uh, the earlier genealogy in chapter five of Genesis, we get, mm-hmm. you know, this person who lived X many years and then he died. And it's kind of right. a way to end it. Uh, and so this genealogy, I feel like there's more, it's a little more hopeful. There's more an emphasis on hope and life because yes, it tells us who it is, but, but then it gives us their next generation. Uh, and then it talks about, um, the, some of the things that he did, who they fathered, and had other sons and daughters. So we're, we're going to keep telling the main story through one person usually, but note that there were other folks uh, involved in this too. And so there's there's much more of that life and, and hope that is alluded to uh, as we check out this particular genealogy. That is a great distinction from Genesis 5 that, you know, I didn't quite notice that in this one because 
it's not that we don't want to say the word died. I mean, as Christians, we, we sometimes have to be that bold to be able to say this person died because we have the hope of eternal life. So let's not make death um, something that, that we are just like, don't bring up the word and then people won't know what happened. No, there's that reality that we have and that brokenness and why we need a risen Savior. And for us, that is a very good distinction from Genesis 5 to this. There is definitely hope in this. And I'll, I'll take one step back to in chapter 10, where it does talk about Shem and his family. It does mention many of the similar names. Well, what's not in from chapter 10, verses 21 to 31, is it does not mention Abram. And this one, it does. So there's a very clear, after the Tower of Babel, that they are very much so pointing and pointing us forward into the future to the hope that the Lord will work through his people, which I found interesting. Did you, did you find anything on that or any thoughts on that? Yeah, it is. You know, I think that when Abraham is introduced, that is a huge narrative shift in the story of Genesis. And so I think uh, I kind of actually dig it that we don't even reference Abraham until it's like, okay, now it's time to deal with with uh, with Abram or Abraham, I usually use them interchangeably, Brady, just because that's the way my brain is wired. Whether it's Abram or Abraham, um, but uh, let you know, where, what do we get with Abram? He's one of the most important uh, men in history. Uh, the word, the name Abram means exalted father, and later on we're going to know Abraham as the father of a multitude. Um, and in fact, uh, the three major world religions point to Abraham uh, as you know, we use the word patriarch as their patriarch, but, you know, Islam mm-hmm. and Judaism and, of course, Christianity. Uh, and so Abram is referenced, uh, Abraham, Abram slash guy is referenced 300 times in the Bible. The, the, his narrative is told mostly in Genesis 11 through 25. But in fact, uh, 11 of the 27 New Testament books uh, reference him. And so um, he is going to be an important guy. And uh, it, it's kind of like... We don't even mention him until it's time to turn the page and really get into him and how important he is and uh, how vital knowing the story of Abraham and a- Abram is going to be for uh, for you to understand the story of God's people going forward. Now let's 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 take a step back here again. Is we're t- we're talking about Shem? Did you find anything on Shem? I mean, I've been to the. Uh, the the ark you know down in in Kentucky I've been there and you kind of have just some basic understandings of Shem Ham and Japheth but but when we talk about Shem it's kind of unique that he really goes back to Shem and I don't know if there's any significance to that because clearly we don't know a lot about these guys but anything why would you choose Shem any any thoughts as you research yeah well of course Abram and uh, Sarai Abraham and Sarah are going to have their three sons Shem Ham and Japheth who I sometimes refer to as ham, turkey, and bacon. And uh, <laughs> they're going to be there as the story goes on without spoiler alert and all that. Um, you know, Ham is going to be an ungodly guy. Uh, Shem and Japheth are godly uh, men as they go forward and, and represent uh, the Lord well. And the line is going to continue through Shem. So that that seems to be kind of what we know about him vis-a-vis comparison to his brothers, at least. And um, and going forward, this is this is just the way that God chose to work. Going forward, he he chose to work through the line of Shem. 
Well, there it is, and that's as simple of an explanation that we need. So, Pastor, as we look at this, we have many descendants from verse 10 all the way to 26. More or less, we don't know a ton about them. Of course, maybe I didn't do enough research. Pastor, is there anything you wanted to highlight in those first number of verses about the descendants that are there? So, we do know some things about Terah. Uh, because uh, he's referenced in Joshua 24, uh, but we're told that Terah was wicked. Terah worshipped uh, false gods. And so as God, you know, once again, God chooses to work through Abram, uh, that did not start, it, it would appear, that did not start with Terah, but instead God in this miraculous way, which, and, you know, we know how this plays out most of the time in families then and in families now, if, if, dad's not a Christian, then usually the, the kids, it's going to be a bigger challenge uh, as we seek to uh, have them in the fold and, and bring them along. And in, in, as we say, the nurture and admonition of the Lord, it's a bigger challenge when you don't have dad. And so uh, the fact that even with a wicked father, uh, God chooses Abram and, uh, you know, Abram's got his speed bumps along the way, as you'll be talking about in the coming weeks. But uh, <laughs> ultimately, uh, God does make him the father of many nations. And it's uh, another one of our themes here, I think, Pastor Fenner, in Genesis is that, and in the Old Testament and throughout Scripture, actually, is God picks the person who you would least expect, you know, the least powerful, the most humble, the least influential, everyone uh, diagram it out, the, the person that you would least expect that's the person oftentimes that God will choose to work through. And it's so that he, the Lord, gets all of the glory. And we can see that if you have eyes to see it in the life of Abram, you can certainly see it. And that's and that's an interesting part, point, is that we can get really caught up. You have to be careful in two realms. One, that we want to highlight, as you mentioned, that member, like a member, an ideal member at your congregation where they, they die in the faith and you're able to see their descendants. And you give thanks that the Lord worked through their lives. At the same time, we have to be careful not to start worshiping them as opposed to the Lord. And Genesis is exactly like that, is that you, if you even start to worship Noah, all of a sudden he gets off the boat and he plants a vineyard, right? Yep. And even if you start to worship Abram or Abraham, he laughs at God, you know, and just go down the list. Uh, before, before you look at all of these names and these people— it truly shows who they are, which is fallen sinners in need of a gracious God that will reveal a Savior. And that's why it's very important for us, too, that that we remember that this is not a worship of man, but a worship of God and to his glory. So, Pastor, anything else on those, those genealogies, like I said, um, uh, in those first verses? I think we're good going forward. All right. So as we move forward, I once again wanted to just highlight to understand the background of everything here. And that goes to just the geography of the area they're speaking about. So like I said, in this um, in this Bible, the Lutheran Study Bible, you have the Ur of the Chaldeans, or you have Ur, which is way out there. We're talking Persian Gulf. I believe this is relatively in the area of current day Iraq. I might be wrong on that. Um, but looking at that Middle Eastern area, that is far from a godly place. 
And this is where Abram and his family is from. Pastor, any thoughts on on the placement of where this family comes from? Yeah, your description there sounds about right. And uh, one of the things for, you know for us to think about is this is just this is not a place where believers existed. That that that, that that's not where they were. Um, and so once again, Abram being called out of this place is even a bigger a bigger deal than that. Just because that, that that's usually not the way things happen. And so as we look at that, why is that important for us today? That this is, uh, it, it, we used to speak at seminary, one, one Old Testament professor would always say, where's the dab of grace in this story? So what would that tell us about God and for us and, well, pretty much the world as we hear that about Abram and his family? Yeah, I would say, you know, it's not only the geographic position that we find ourselves in that, well, certainly that is not something that needs to define us. And um, along with geography, a lot of times can come culture and it can come a, you know, variety of, you know, what, what, you know, what do most of the people here believe? What's the majority? What's the majority in this other place? What's going on over here? Look, the Lord works in all kinds of places on all kinds of people. And so it is not, he is not certainly, he is not limited to only doing things in this particular way. And so in our lives and lives of people we see in the lives of, of people in other places and in other cultures who hopefully we pray for and, and are concerned for them, uh, know that the Lord can work in them. It might not look exactly the same as it might, you know, next door to you, but the Lord can certainly work uh, for those folks too. Now, Pastor, we did realize there was a little bit of a... <laughs> The sons of Noah. You did say the sons of Abram. And I, I just realized this as I was looking at my notes. Like, oh, shoot. You said the sons of Abram and Sarah were Shem, Ham, and Japheth. But I don't think that's exactly true. Can you remind us again who they were the sons of? <laughs> of Noah, I didn't. Uh, my my notes uh, crossed me up there a little bit. But uh, yeah, <laughs> sons of Noah. Uh, and uh, that that's uh, we certainly get that Ham is an ungodly guy because of the way he treated his father when his father was embarrassed. And uh, Shem and Japheth went forward in that uh, more godly way, and certainly the Lord kept working through Shem. <laughs> so very good. I, I we we will um, work on that as we go. But you know, it just reminds us sometimes our words get mixed up, even us preachers. So um, the pastor, as we're looking at everything, we've talked about geography. We talked a little bit about that. Where do you want to go next? Uh, we can keep uh, talking a little bit here about Abram and his family, and such as it is for now, right? Because we've got a generation before. We've got Abram and 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 Sarai, and they're wonderful uh, people uh, in so far as things go. And uh, we, I contrast, I say that in that way, uh, Pastor Fenner, because the contrast ends up being with Lot. And uh, the one thing that we know about Lot is that he is a lot of trouble. Um, mm. And that plays out throughout the course of this, and we're being a little lighthearted here with this, but um, grave sin takes place in the life of Lot, and and it is it is not a good scene in his life certainly, and uh, he ends up being kind of this guy with Abram, and I would think him of him in our day and time of just kind of like this bad business partner that keeps messing up and maybe Abram should have cut ties with him somewhere along the lines because uh, it, it is not good things that happen uh, as a result of Lot. You'll deal with him in future chapters, but uh, he's he's just that, that kind of guy. Um, so that's Lot. We meet uh, Sarai, who later we'll know as 
Sarah, or her name means princess. Uh, so, uh, you know, take that for, for what it is. Uh, is she Ginger or Marianne in the equation, uh, Brady, um, Pastor Fenner? And so, uh, but what we get though, and in this description of Sarai as barren, uh, even though we've had some hope so far in this genealogy that points to the sons and the daughters and, and things like that that are playing forward, then we get this stark change where we're introduced by name to the patriarch's wife, and then we're told that she's barren. And it sets up kind of this picture of hopelessness. And even, you know, let's let's uh, flesh out Abram's situation right now, uh, given all of that. He has a barren wife. He has a godless father, as we talked about before. He's in a godless place. Um, he has this guy uh, with him who's going to be in a lot of ways kind of weigh him down as the the story plays out. And uh, we read that resume, Pastor Fenner, and we know at, you know, because we know a little bit more about the story that this guy's going to change the world and the Lord through him is going to change the world. And it's just one of those remarkable things that the Lord keeps on working uh, and keeps being faithful to his people, uh, even at times when a, a lot of times we would look at it and say, really, is this really the people you, that you want to work through? But, but ultimately that that's what the Lord does. So, and therefore he gets all the glory. So let's talk more about that on the other side of our break. And I might ask this question because this is the beginning of Abram. And I'm going to ask every guest until we're done with Abraham. Are you willing to sing Father Abraham and Many Sons? So we'll see what happens on the other side of our break. We are studying Genesis chapter 11 with Pastor Joshua Knippa, and we'll be right back. What's happening in Germany's Lutheran churches, where Iranian refugees are flooding through the doors? What new opportunities for sharing the Christian faith are arising in communist Vietnam, and how can my church play a part? Mission speakers, all LCMS pastors from the Lutheran Heritage Foundation, will come to your church free of charge to preach and lead Bible studies tying into this exciting work going on all around the world. To schedule your speaker, call LHF at 800-554-0723. And welcome back. We are studying Genesis chapter 3, excuse me, Genesis chapter 3, Genesis chapter 11 with Pastor Joshua Knippa of Holy Cross Lutheran Church in Nederland, Texas. And the question comes, I mean, people waiting 90 seconds for this pastor, are you ready to sing the whole song, Father Abraham? I I will. You can join in with me at at any point. (laughs) I don't, it will take too long. We just can't pull it off. Um, I thought you would say no because you have a bad voice, but you're willing. Okay, this isn't going to be as fun as I thought it was going to be. Okay. Um, Anyways, (laughs) but I do think that song does bring us exactly to the point, like you said, that this God works through Abram in a way that we cannot fully fathom because it does literally change the world. It affects everybody, not because of his faithfulness. We're not trying to put him at the same par as Jesus, but Abram's that that guy that the many generations come from that will eventually 
give us Jesus. I mean, this is this is where this descendancy that we're seeing today is so vital as we work our way up to Abram. Now, Pastor, I do want to start with this too. Is it is an interesting part of Scripture where it talks about the women who are barren. And this, this can be a very emotional thing. And I know you've ministered to, to families that are unable to have children. You're able to, to visit with them and, and others. Why is that such an emphasis when we hear of Sarai and other women in Scripture that they talk about them being barren? And it's not just a simple comment, but it, this affects a lot of things. Any thoughts you have? Yeah, and it's a testimony, obviously, to the Lord's power and, and the things that He can do. And it's a reminder for us that uh, God does indeed open and close uh, the wombs of women. And, you know, scripture talks about things like this, the, the people that we're referencing here, people like Hannah, people like Mary herself and, and Jesus coming. Elizabeth is a character in the, in the birth of Jesus story that we see this with. And uh, it, uh, it shows us uh, his power, I, I think it is well. Um, it, it shows, uh, and you mentioned it, uh, Pastor Fenner, and like it, it's a very difficult situation when when we have these in families and our hearts go out uh, to to them, and and we should continue to pray and continue to pray for them that that uh, the Lord would provide um, a way forward with that. There's uh, other things that are available to us, kind of in our modern day and time, things like adoption and and things like uh, all of this. Uh, some of my closest friends, uh, their their families are ad- adoption families uh, be- because of some of uh, these other complications that can take place. And so we certainly want to be people who love and support uh, families who are in this very difficult situation. And, and that that's the case in, in our day and time. Uh, but think about it back in times like the times of Abram and, and the times of some of these other folks that we mentioned. Um they, they didn't have this uh, complicated uh, social safety net and stuff like that. You, you were expected in these cultures to take care of your parents when they could no longer provide for themselves, take care of themselves, stuff like this. So uh, not having children and not being able to have children, it's, it's not just the uh, um, you know, unbelievable pain and, and struggle and, and suffering that that places upon your heart and that impacts, you know, relationship between a husband and a wife and some of this stuff. But there's also like a fear of just like, what is going to happen to us if we don't have, you know, these people to, to love us and look out for us. And they did have ways to do that. You know, Jesus talks about taking care of widows and orphans and, and there are certain givings and gleanings and, and sorts of things that happen throughout the the story of the Bible, but it, none of it's easy and it's, it's tough. And so your concern is not just about that, um, you know, that those heart aches and, and uh, the, the hurting in your heart because of not being able to have children, but uh, what, what, what's going to happen to us down the road. So um, the good news that we read in scripture is that in these cases that this takes place and we follow it, the Lord does indeed provide for these, these women, these families, and, and, uh, and he provides for them going forward. You can almost feel the emotion in the room in verse 30. And now Sarai was barren and she had no child. Yeah. And that you, you feel that you feel that emotion, you know, with other, with people. And it, it is, like you said, it's up a notch 
from the barrenness that we will feel in our world today. For example, you'll feel the emotion on Mother's Day when when there's women in the in the uh, in the church they're unable to have children and it's something that we always have to be careful how much how we highlight it because they want mothers to be highlighted because they they have a mother you know they want them to be highlighted it's not like don't bring up mothers because i might not be a mother but it is something where there you have to be careful how you uplift it personally i know uh, my vicarage supervisor he would always highlight that we give thanks for all of our mothers and those who have been like mothers to us in our lives. I like that. And so yeah. that's, yeah, it's a, it was, I thought it was a very good move and a, a move that I continue to do to this day. So I remind you, our listeners, to pray for those women who are not unable to have children. You know, if they if they are married and, and they're unable, that is something to, we, we lift up to the Lord in prayer and ask the Lord to help and provide for their needs, whether it is adoption or they take on other vocations. I know of one particular woman never able to have children, so she taught Sunday school basically her whole life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so those were her kids as she lifted up to the Lord. And it, we give, I give thanks, we give thanks for her and the work that she had done throughout her whole life. And so we feel that in the room, um, but it had bigger implications of, of not just, oh, I feel bad or I'm, I'm deep grief, but also society-wise, it was a way of providing for one another. Pastor, anything else you want to highlight as we look at the descendants of, of Shem and for Tara? Uh, no, not, not necessarily in those, in those cases. Okay, all right. What else you got? Well, I was thinking uh, as we get here toward the end of the passage, and it does, it does talk about these families, and, and, uh, but not, I guess not specifically about the families and the things that they're up to, but these two verses, 31 and 32, um, this is kind of a shift in the narrative and in the story that's being told uh, here in Genesis. We go from this uh, time of creation uh, to this time of covenant, and we'll see in the next uh, w- when you when you read the next uh, chapter, when you get into chapter twelve, uh, Pastor Fennern, we'll see the the ground being laid for the covenant that God uh, is going to make with Abram, and then. That covenant gets kind of repeated and more detailed as the life of Abram goes on, and ultimately, and there'll be other covenants, you know, in the in the Old Testament. But ultimately, where it's all fulfilled is in the New Covenant, which is in the person and work of Jesus Christ. And uh, you know, depending on how you want to talk about it, that that's kind of the covenant under which we live today uh, is everything that the Lord has done for us and promised for us and uh, given us faith to believe in and and everything else going forward. Uh, and so it leads us into this idea of covenant. Uh, and as we've looked, this is a good place, I think, for uh, us to review the first 11 chapters of Genesis. And uh, that kind of sets the table, as we've mentioned before, for the story of the life of Abram in the next uh, in the next coming and number of chapters. So, uh, if we want, we can kind of review a little bit, or uh, if you had another thing you wanted to throw out there before we get into that, but that, that might be a good place to spend a little time. Let's do it. And a reminder to your listeners, we have been going through, obviously, Genesis 1 through 11 to this point. But I tell you what, I have gone through almost 1 through 11 in confirmation almost every year now for uh, 17 years in ministry. And, and I tell you what, it is pretty amazing when you really do think about how much I miss. So this review will be very good for us. So, Pastor, 
How do you want to start? Well, I guess the way you should begin is to begin at the beginning. And so we have Genesis 1 and 2, and kind of the way I like to talk about this, Pastor Fennern, is uh, we've got Genesis 1, which is kind of the wide-angle lens of this is how God created the heavens and the earth, and this is how God created all the um, the separation of the of the light and the dark and the creation of the morning and evening and the days. And we're told there's morning and evening each day. And uh, then we get the creation of, you know, critters. And so those are good things to have uh, that are around. And then it tells us of the creation of the man and the woman. And then when we get to Genesis two and it's all very good. And then we get into Genesis two and it really just zooms in. So we go from wide angle to zoomed in because the Lord really wants to tell us specifically about the creation of the man and the woman. Uh, and so we get this wonderful picture after God creates the man and uh, he, he, he works in the garden. He names the animals. Uh, I, I like to joke around with our, uh, our uh, high school and kids a little bit, Pastor Fenner, and say, look, guys, Adam had a job before he had a wife. So uh-huh. go now and do likewise, you know? <laughs> And uh, but the Lord sees that uh, it's not good for him to be alone, even after he's got all this responsibility and everything that goes along with that. So uh, he takes uh, the woman, he takes the rib out of the side of Adam. Uh, He doesn't take it takes it. So she's next to him. So she's not in front of him because that would be what you know, feminism is, and he's not, she's not behind him because that would be what chauvinism is, but instead she is out of his side. So she's next to him because they're both image bearers of God. They're made in his image and likeness. And and so Adam and the woman, Eve, as we know her name later to be, uh, they are together. And uh, the, the Lord, uh, you know, I like to the picture, Pastor Fennern, of when uh, God brings the woman to the man, uh, that's the language of the Bible, that he brings her to the man. And I love the way that we demonstrate this in the wedding ceremony where the father brings the, the woman to be married uh, to the groom. That, that, that's really kind of cool. And uh, we echo Genesis 2 when we demonstrate that and when we show that. And so um, then we get Genesis 3, we get that fall into sin, just kind of the, the, the worst day and one of the worst days in human history. I think we can say that pretty safely. Um, and these uh, questions that uh, Satan inspires Adam and Eve to ask of the Lord. And it's, uh, you know, if if the Lord tells you to do something and your response is to ask questions of him, you are probably on the wrong track, you know, mm-hmm. and, and that demonstrates that. Uh, and so then, you know, human history is kind of never the same. After that, and uh, we see in Genesis four this first family, and the reminder that uh, it's so important for it, within the context of family to raise good and godly kids. And and uh, unfortunately, uh, in the case of Cain and Abel, that didn't happen with one of them. And so we get this first murder. Um, you know, then we continue and we get some genealogy, and we. We um, are trying to get things right through these generations and generations, and it's just it's not it's not happening. And then we get a little bit later, you know, we get into the story of the flood, where the Lord has to uh, just kind of control alt delete this whole thing because the sin people were only evil all the time continually, which which is just a heartbreaking way to think about the state of the world in that day and time. And is it really any different now? Is a question. Mm. 
to meditate on for us to talk about and ask. Um, and so then we get that Genesis 10, you know, let us build something great. Let us make a name for ourselves. And uh, the Lord scatters the people because uh, it's just kind of like if, if, if you guys on your own think that you can figure this thing out, uh, you're wrong. It, it's not going to happen that way. So, and so to summarize that, before I summarize all that, does that, does anything uh, uh, pop for you to, to throw in a comment on there? Well, and I do want to ask this because we are we are removed from the shootings that happened in Texas. However, how could we not? When we think about Cain and Abel, we think of uh, we we think of Noah and the flood. Uh, we see that brokenness that is there. It's it's hard for us to we we kind of think in our minds and hearts. Well, we're just getting better. But I tell you what, those few weeks ago when when Buffalo happened, and then in Texas. It, it just it just brings you to your knees because we're just not, and all the talk that we receive is usually political in nature. Mm-hmm. All the the compassion usually adds a little bit of okay, this is what we need to do now, as if we are quote going to get better from this, as opposed to the brokenness that we all have. I pray we get better. I pray that that we do better as a society, but it brings you to your knees because it just feels like it's not getting better, and evil has a foothold. So, Pastor, as a pastor in Texas, tell us about that a little bit, especially in light of what you just brought up, the continual brokenness of God's people and where where the church and its involvement is. Yeah, you know, it is a heartbreaking thing, uh, to be sure, and um, we it, it can be difficult because we want to come up with solutions and we want to come up with ways to fix things. Um, and the, the problem is that there, there is not anything that we can do to fix this world in which we live. Now, we can make improvements and, and we can work to do better and we can work on the way that we treat each other. I think the first place that that starts is for each of us, it starts with me. It starts with myself. How am I treating other people? Am I listening to other people? Am I hearing what they have to say? Am I seeking to understand other people? Am I Although there may be places or people or situations where my temptation is to hate, that is not what the Lord calls me to do. The Lord calls for me to love, and in fact, I'm called to love my enemies and to pray for those who persecute me. So even if there's somebody who I perceive to be my enemy because of reason X, Y, or Z, um, the Lord it does not call me to be pitted against them, but instead to listen to them, to embrace them, uh, to treat them uh, as a child of God, once again, created in his image and likeness. And if that could be our starting point for any of these contentious issues or discussions, uh, then I, I think there's a better chance for them to be fruitful. I think the problem is for a lot of time is, is that in our culture and the way it is, a lot of us have different starting points and different understandings about the human condition and about what is in the heart of each person. Is it basically good or is it basically bad? Uh, And we would say outside of Jesus, what's in our hearts is basically bad. And we need him to come in, you know, to be on a rescue on the rescue mission that he is on to come into our hearts and to change us, you know, the the whole change my heart. Oh God, uh, type of idea. Mm -hmm. So uh, that should be our first prayer when something happens and we're going to start having discussions about it. The first thing, Lord, I need you to change is I need you to change me. And I need you to change me to be more like you 
and, and, and then we can go forward from there. And so we, we, we pray the Lord's uh, grace to be upon the people in Texas still to this day, you know, because you still feel it. You know, there's the, the Columbine is still fresh in my heart. I was a freshman in college. I know you were in college at that time as well. And it just it, 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 it hits you in a point where you're like, wait, that could happen to me. And then when you hear the stories of some of the individuals that are part of this, and this is why I invite our listeners to pray for the shooter's families. Obviously, pray for the shooter for repentance. Um, we pray that you would that the, the holy angels would watch over us, that, that he would keep evil away from future shootings. We also pray for those persons' families. And because as we see from Genesis, the descendants did not necessarily come from a perfect lot, pun intended, when you talk about lot, um, that from that, uh, God works his grace upon generations, even of the worst of sinners, in order for his name to be glorified and Christ to be known. So we, we continue to pray for all those involved. Yeah. And Pastor, as we come to chapter 11, you know, we've gone down and given a quick rundown of, of everything in the Tower of Babel right before today. We get to the end of this of this chapter. Um, and where'd you, you did the rundown. I, I think you had another another piece to jump into as this is a transition piece in these last few verses. Well, well just yeah. to kind of bring everything together, it's just, the, these first, uh, from Genesis 3 on, what we kind of deal with is, uh, one of the things, is man's attempt to deal with the sin problem. Okay, so mm-hmm. we de- we get uh, things like chauvinism. When we read in Genesis 5, we hear about this guy named Lamech, and he's like bragging. He's like, and I have two wives, and I'm awesome. And so we tried that, and that didn't work. And, you know, we, we tried to kind of fix things through the, you know, these families and these generations. And, and, and maybe the next generation will love the Lord more than we will. And, and like that didn't work. And, and so then uh, we tried, uh, you know, in our day and time, we might refer to it as nationalism is, is what these guys do at the tower of Babel. Just say, Hey, if we build this thing and we make a great name for ourselves and if other people look at us and think that we're awesome, um, then maybe that will solve the sin problem. And it doesn't. And so uh, all of these things that we set up and we could add some of our kind of modern uh, thoughts and, and theories or whatever, and, and accomplishments to that and say, well, maybe this will fix it. You know, maybe if we're just more, you know, mature and have more developed philosophical uh, structures and ways of thinking, maybe that will fix the sin problem. It's like, well, no, that didn't work. Well, okay, maybe we can do it through education and and we'll just uh, make sure that everybody knows everything that they need to know about everything. And then uh, once everybody is that well-versed and well uh, enlightened in, in, in such things, then everything will be okay. It's like, well, no, that, that didn't work. It's like, well, maybe we could fix it through medicine. Maybe if people didn't get sick and, and, and we made people, you know, maybe people can live forever and then we'll have the sin problem solved. And it's like, no, no matter what you do, people are not going to live forever. And so we take the things and the themes that are here. We add some of our own into the equation to think that over the years, maybe we could have solved some things. Uh, and for all of it, um, we, we just, it just doesn't work, Pastor Fenner. And that leads us straight to the cross of Jesus Christ because we cannot fix this thing on our own. And the sooner that we admit that and the sooner that it draws us to confession and repentance and trust in him, uh, the, the sooner 
we better understand the world in which we live and and maybe we can work on some of these things but but we are not going to solve any of them apart from the person and work of Jesus and pastor this is where uh, we we have to make sure that we are looking at the realities of scripture in a way that reminds us of the need for for Jesus as you said is that when we use a line such as, if only we had, that if I go home tonight and tell my family, if only we had this, then I'd be perfectly content. Or if you go to church and they said, if only we had a pastor who could do X, then we would be fine. Or you go to the schools, if only we had a principal (laughs) who could do X, we would be fine. If you find yourself, and this is for me too, I need to remind myself of the of the way I speak and the way that I believe, because this is really the language of Genesis. If only we had this. It goes to the kings, right? We've studied first, king, first and second kings here. If only we had a king like everybody else, neglecting the reality that that was not perfect on the king's side at all, and that became very, very true in the history of God's people. And, and Genesis' story brings us, if you say, if only, then you've probably already lost. Because if we're doing the if-onlys, then we forget the one who is the only Savior, the one who had to do it himself, that apart from him, we have nothing. And that is our emphasis, especially as we look at these descendants, because from these descendants, who is on the end of this descendancy, which is Christ himself, which is our only hope and been the hope from Genesis 3, well, this is a hope from the very foundation of everything, no doubt about it. But Genesis 3 was that first proclamation of this hope that we would have. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I like the way that you stated that uh, of just uh, what, what you end up doing. And if I could take one more step from your if only thinking there, you end up making an idol out of that only thing to say, uh, yeah, if yeah. I had this, then 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 we've got it. And it's like, well, you, you're setting that thing up as well, you're setting that up to be your savior. And, um, you know, people do this in their lives all the time. Well, like if only I had obedient children, it's like, okay, well, they're not obedient. So now what, you know, right. and what you set right. them up for is to be Jesus for you. And they, that, that is a weight, bro. Like pastor Fenner, that is a weight they cannot bear. Uh, and what you'll end up doing is crushing them. And, that is the case with anything that you put in that category. Usually we do it with a person, and and that's the worst thing you can do with another human being, whether it's a spouse or kids or a spouse that you're dreaming of that you haven't found yet. Um, that is not going to be a good equation for that individual, but it can be other things too. It could be this amount of stuff, this number in my bank account. If I only had my perfect dream house that I, that I wanted to have out in the country or whatever, uh, you're, that's the idle factory in your heart. That's it's churning it out, man. The idle factory will work overtime. And uh, instead let's look to Jesus and his goodness, mercy, his perfect sacrifice for us on the cross Uh, And so that our desire would not be for this other stuff. Our desire is not for this other person, but instead our desire is for him so that we can have him and be in a relationship with him. So let's talk a little bit about, as you are part of a church, you are listeners and Pastor Knippa and myself, 
you went to our church, and let's say they have the 100th anniversary, and this is something I've noticed quite a bit, is now our church body, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, is, has, has a lot of churches that are now 150, 170. We just celebrated 175 years as the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod gathered in Chicago in 1847. We're celebrating that 175 years, and you have the 50th anniversary, so forth. And in the past, at least, they would make a plate, with a picture of the church on it, or they would make spoons or whatever it might be. But a lot of times they make a little booklet of the history. And as you read through that history, um, what is important for for our listeners and for us as pastors to realize as we look at that history, which I think very much so relates to the descendants of Shem today, what's an important uh, things for us to think about, Pastor, as we look at that? It is good always for us to meditate on the history, whether it's history of our nation, the history of our world, our own histories of our families, and uh, the history of a congregation. Let's do so realistically and say, you know, this person did this X, Y, and Z and, and did some great things, but this wasn't a perfect person. And the things that happened in the church, uh, they weren't perfect all the time. Uh, and I know, especially whoever is compiling that uh that chronology and that re- remembrance book of where mm-hmm. the congregation has been and what they have done. Uh, don't put, don't be afraid to put in the struggles and the bad stuff because we need to know that too. And we need to learn those things as well. And certainly, you know, the stories of the patriarchs here in, in Genesis, uh, we, we get some, we get some ups and they're, they're great. Um, we get some downs too. And if I can say kind of in a different way, those are great also because they are opportunities for us to learn, uh, to, to meditate on where mistakes were made and, you know, unrighteousness and false teaching and, and other things were indulged in and, and, and everything. And it gives us all the more uh, a reason to look to the one who could have, whatever this problem was that we read about, there's one person who could have fixed it, and his name is Jesus. And uh, in the Old Testament, they may not have known him as Jesus. They, you know, they knew of the Lord and 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 such things. Uh, the Lord is the one who who could fix those things. And so uh, let's let's do that with our own stories, with our families, with our our churches as well. Uh, let's tell the the real story of what happened. And uh, it's funny you mentioned the idea of these uh, special numbers that uh, are to remember a church and uh, everything. And I know of one church where they were like coming up on, I think it was 150, but it was one of those cardinal numbers that ends up being the, uh, the things that we remember of, you know, it took them until like September to put up the little plaque that this is our 150th year. And by that time it was almost over, you know, yet the Lord's work continues, whether it's on, a nice even number or not, the, the Lord keeps working uh, in your individual church and the Lord keeps working uh, in the church as a whole. And it's, it's, it, one other quick thing. It's interesting the way that we think about uh, these different anniversaries and stuff. And uh, depending on where we are on, on some of these issues, uh, but uh, we get here kind of these 2000 year periods in scripture. We get kind of like, Adam to Abraham, it's about 2,000 years. Then we get Abraham to Jesus, that ends up being about 2,000 years. And we get Jesus to us, that's about 2,000 years. And so 
this uh, idea of like times and seasons and stuff like that. Uh, it can play itself out over a, over a, a matter of time. It's really cool. Pastor, we have about 30 seconds left in our time. How would you highlight our text and encourage our listeners? I would encourage our listeners, uh, the, this, these ideas of generations and everything, uh, love your family, love those close to you, for, and do that as you love the Lord and place Him first in the life of your family, the life of your congregation, and in your life as well. Pastor Joshua Knippa of Holy Cross Lutheran Church in Nederland, Texas, giving us God's strong word from Genesis chapter 11. Pastor Knippa, thank you for bringing us his gifts. Thank you. I'm your host, Brady Finner, and pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for joining us, and the Lord keep you safe in the palm of his hand.